Welcome to Fast Fiction. They say that bad things come in threes, but sometimes just two are enough. Or maybe you're just having a bad luck day. He had just managed to turn into a small side road when the car stopped. A cough, a splutter, and the engine finally died. He turned the lights off and sat in the darkness, unsure of what to do. Outside, the moonless night had given way to heavy rain, and he could hear the wind whistling through the treetops. It was dangerous to stay in the comfort of the car. He must press on. But which way? He was about, what, ten kilometers out of town? Middle of bloody nowhere. No house or street light gave any relief from the darkness. To the left, a high hedgerow looked, well, impenetrable. But to the right, far in the distance, the outline of a roof of some sort, it was the only shelter to be seen. He winced as he got out of the car. His left shoulder was throbbing and every movement sent jabbing pain through his bruised, aching ribs. He hadn't been ready for a fight, got caught off guard. Never mind, he'd given back what he'd got. With his good right arm, he checked for the small package in his trouser pocket. It was still there. He set off across the road. Damn, he hadn't seen the barbed wire fence and had to crawl on hands and knees to get under. The scrub was rough, covered in short, tufted spear grass, and for a moment he was tempted to return to the road. Maybe he could hail down a passing vehicle. But no, no, it would be madness to jeopardize his escape at this point. Better to stay with the paddock and whatever comfort he could gain from the building ahead. It took about fifteen minutes of labored walking to reach the crest of the slope where a narrow dirt track stretched before him. The makeshift road was surprisingly smooth, leading straight towards the shack, which, now that he was nearer, he could see had only roof and supports. It had hardly any side walls to provide the shelter he so desperately needed, but a dark shape inside had him bewildered for a moment. Then he saw what it was. It was a small plane. Grateful for any relief from the bitter cold and lashing rain, he walked under the roof canopy and looked at the aircraft. It was a very old Cessna, and even to his inexperienced eye, was well past its prime. Nevertheless, if he could get inside, it would provide a little more warmth than the hangar itself, and with a little luck, he could snatch a few hours' sleep. He was disappointed to find both doors locked. It was only a small deterrent, but he really didn't think he could last much longer without rest. He felt inside his coat pocket and found the small piece of wire he always carried there. No luck with the pilot's side, but the other one gave him no trouble at all. With a grunt of satisfaction, he levered himself onto the high step and manoeuvred his aching body into the back seat. He landed on a large knit sweater and knee rug. Wrapping both around himself, he groaned a sigh of relief as he wriggled into a comfortable position. Consciousness left him almost immediately, but his deep sleep led him back into a dark world of car chases, police sirens and moaning winds. They all gathered momentum until they whirled into a final crescendo, and then, then it was quiet, blissfully quiet. He did not hear the door open, nor the rev of the engine as it was turned over. 
He did not hear the thrust of the motors as they jumped into action, or if he did, the sounds became enmeshed into his pain-racked dream. What he felt was the lift as wheels and ground parted, and the little aircraft reluctantly propelled itself away from the runway, struggling to get airborne. He came to with the sound of singing, a high falsetto ending in a rack of coughing. It took a moment for all these sounds and feelings to make sense and for the real world to surface. He would have cried out or moved but for his throbbing head, which felt as if it was an inner vice. His throat was parched and he thirsted for liquor. His discomfort was tempered by panic, but this quickly dissolved into calm as reasoning took over. If he admitted his presence now, the pilot would head back to the runway, and he would find himself where he started. But minute by minute, the small craft was heading north, far away from the abandoned car, and far from where anyone would think to look for him. He lay quiet, not daring to move. Suddenly the figure in front of him began to sing again, and with a lurch the aircraft veered towards the east. The dawn horizon was now in front of them, slowly turning the grey puffball clouds into a golden carpet. The unexpected movement had thrown him sideways and then back, and involuntary he heard himself cry out, Jesus Christ! The figure in front half turned and peered into the back seat. What the bloomin'? The fugitive saw little merit in trying to hide further and sat up. That's right, mate, you've got company. He edged himself over to the left and with the light now streaming through the cockpit could see an elderly man nearly bored with sunken cheekbones. The voice was thin and high-pitched. Where in Stroth did you spring from? Never you mind, he said. Where are you heading? He estimated that they had already covered a few hundred kilometres, more than his wildest hopes. As far as he was concerned, the sooner they landed now, the better. He could find a cheap motel, give a fictitious name, and rest up for a day or two, maybe even visit an emergency ward in a hospital, and then really plan what he was going to do. Ignoring him, the old man continued, I never thought to look in the back. I usually lock the old bus up. You're at a date, sport. A bit of wine makes mincemeat of an old lock. So, where are you going? Right now, out to the wild blue yonder. A wizened finger pointed out towards the infinite shimmering horizon. What the hell do you mean? Where were you going to land? He was given a gummy smile. I wasn't, mate. There's nothing around this way but trees. Look for yourself. It was true. The dark green of the mulga had turned into a carpet of dark green eucalypts spread out below. Exasperated now, he began shouting, his voice an angry snarl. Look, Grandpa, enough of your crap. I want you to land ASAP. Understand? Or you'll find yourself in deep shit. Much to his surprise, the man began to cackle. It was a thin, throaty laugh that ended up in a cough. Who are you trying to fool, sunshine? All right, so I'm a desperate man. I was involved in an accident back there. I've twisted my shoulder and I think I've got a couple of crack ribs. I'm in a lot of pain. I need a hospital real quick. 
The old man stopped grinning, his face now serious, with a hint of compassion and apology in his voice. Well, sorry, mate, but this is your bad luck day. More like yours, old-timer. Just land this junk heap and... Anger and frustration had moved in without discretion. But undaunted, the veteran continued patiently. Look, I didn't invite yous here, and I'm not up here for no joyride. I'm here because I've got no choice, and this is the way I want to go. What the hell are you crowing on about? The pilot's face registered bitterness and futility. Last week, my my home went up in smoke. It took it took everything I possess, including my missus, us that's been married for fifty five years and more. And and I tell you, mate, there's nothing for me down there any more. The thin voice wavered. So, I reckon I may as well go now. And this is my way of doing it. With a bit of luck, who knows? I'm, I might even meet up with her somewhere up here in heaven. A small knot of fear swept through the passenger as he began to finally understand what the old man meant. You're intending to crack it up here? Right. We'll be over the water soon and it won't matter where we go down after that. As if to confirm these words, a small line of blue appeared, glinting ahead. Second by second, it grew bigger. Fucking hell! The snarl was mixed with fear, and involuntarily he pulled out the gun, thrusting it towards the pilot. Now, I'm telling you, you old fool, you can do what you like after you let me out, but right now I want you to land, on an airstrip if you can, but if not, any goddamn piece of flat ground that will take us. Understanding swept over the old man's face, and for the first time he looked straight at his passenger, all sorrow gone. First of all, I wouldn't care a hoot if you did pump me full of holes. You'd be doing me a favour. And second, what good would it do you? Even Jesus Christ can't fly a plane like this from the back seat. The man bit his lip. He knew the old fool spoke the truth. He threw the gun aside and began a different approach. He pulled out the small package once again. Look, look, I can give you a reward. I can give you enough diamonds to buy yourself a bloody mansion if you want it. Just get this crate down safely and I'll split them with you. The old guy looked back behind him once more, taking in the diamonds sparkling in the morning sunlight. The gummy smile returned, this time with a hint of mischief. What if I could, Cobber? Especially if you'd said, please. But it's out of my hands now. I ain't got no control no more. See, your extra weight means we ain't got as many miles in us as I'd planned. He nodded to the fuel gauge. From the looks of her, we've got about another minute. Religious man, are you, mister? Because if you ain't, it might be a good idea to become one. A cynical laugh, and then an attempt at mimicry. A-S-A-P. Even as he spoke, there was an only too recognisable cough and splutter. Then, as the nose of the plane began to dip towards the water, he began to sing, quietly at first, but in ever-increasing crescendo. 
I'll go down helping ages past our hopes for years to come. You have been listening to A Bad Luck Day, written and narrated by Brianda Cross.